0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Today's topic is monetizing cultural power. Look, this is not a uh, finance class, so if that's what you're looking for, uh, you have probably come to the wrong place. Those of you who have followed me, this is going to be a clinical look at uh, what it means to monetize cultural power. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about money, we're going to be talking about a little bit about culture, and we're going to talk about influence. So how we influence one another or are influenced by one another. And that's going to be the gist for today. Uh, Obviously, with the things going on in the news right now, with uh, the climate conversation and the polio conversation and the COVID conversation that seems to be percolating again, there's a lot of things that I could be talking about. But something else caught my attention. Kyler Murray caught my attention. Kyler Murray just signed a contract and looks like it's going to be $230.5 million with 160 of that being guaranteed in his contract. Now, Kyler Murray is a football player. For those of you who are not big sports people, um, you know, I understand. And you know he's a pretty commonly known figure in our culture. Uh, he plays quarterback. Uh, he is a very unique uh, style of quarterback. He can throw, he can run, he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, he is a unique player and, um, you know, he, he also expands what it looks like to be a quarterback, not just in the way he plays. Uh, but you know, if you look at him, he's, he's not the tallest quarterback. He's actually one of the shorter ones. He's, you know, he's not, um, necessarily going to fit your, your typical profile. And then there's a there's a beauty in that because it gives other people who don't necessarily fit the prototype uh, a chance to say, hey, maybe I could. And so <clears throat> that caught my attention and I wanted to address it. So I'm going to give you some observations, some things that, uh, uh, I observe in our culture and, you know, as a therapist, you know, I'm always looking for these things that are consistent, right? Like, you know, what, what is cultural relevance, right? To be different is relevant. Uh, there's, there's no way around it, whether I like it or don't like it, whether you like it or don't like it, it really makes very little difference whether we like it, the truth of it all is cultural relevance, it does matter if we have something unique about us. And the cool thing is, you all have something unique about you. It's a matter of giving that gift to the world. Uh, Kyler Murray, he does that. He does that in the form of playing football. So you can see that uniqueness is valued in our culture. Uh, You can also see it in other levels of our culture, right? To be, um, uh, you know, not straight these days has a cultural value, whether I like it or don't like it, whether you like it or don't like it. There is a cultural value to that uniqueness that is not being straight. There is cultural value to the uniqueness of being able to uh, cry on command, as an actor or an actress might. There is a uniqueness uh, to being able to put on the best street performances, whether that's dance or music or whatever. There's there's a, you know, if you can bring something unique to the presentation, you're more likely to find success in our culture right now. That's an observation. Uh, just wanted to put that out there. Another observation. Where you are, timing, timing, and location matter so much, right? Like if an athlete gets hurt, their contracts drop, right? If they get hurt right before a contract signing, their their contracts drop. It affects their contract. So being at your peak pinnacle performance levels right before a contract is to your benefit as an athlete. Well, the same is true with being an actor or an actress, timing and location matter. You know, if you're in the middle of Iowa, no offense to anybody in Iowa, but the chances of you being discovered as an actor or an actress is not as substantial as if you go to, say, New York, LA, uh, or or some of these other places where they're doing a lot of, uh, you know, theater arts and uh, movie productions. So your location and your timing matters. You got to be in the right place at the right time. Now, some of that is a bit of luck, and the other the, the but the other part of that, the other aspect is that some people who want certain things will put themselves in a position that they're in the right time and at the right place. And so, there is some that you can seek out, uh, but there is some some amount of luck involved in in this as well. Um another observation. You have to be added benefit to the project. And now, if the project is, as an athlete like Kyler Murray, if the project is developing a team that can win, say, a Super Bowl, he's gotta have the assets, the ability to help the team to do that. Or he has diminished value. So in his case, the fact that he can run and he can throw, it adds value. He's partly a a running back and he's partly a quarterback. With that, I want to add this. Great players, just like great actors and actresses, just like great performers of any kind, um, they are going to be better if their supporting cast is better right if you shine among great people then you could be in the conversation of being the greatest which is why people want to play at the highest levels in sports they want to act or be actresses at the highest level in their profession they want to get the uh, the main part in the main movie that's coming out that year something like that so what that means, what that translates into is certain teams that invest in, uh, you know, those high performing players will also oftentimes invest at higher rates among their average to above average players. And they do that because if the team wins, then they're relevant that much more, right? Not just the team uh, of, of players, but their products, the things that they're selling, become more relevant. Right? You win a Super Bowl, your products are more relevant, and that's what people are are striving toward, oftentimes. And so you see that happen in sports. You see it happen all over the place. Now, the reason I'm giving you these observations is because I really want you guys to think about monetizing cultural power. There comes a time where the elite of the elite, the top, the creme de la creme, the people who are like Kyler Murray and have exceptional abilities, will take less in order to make more. That sounds silly, but here, let me, let me paint it for you. A contract to play football is one type of contract. But a contract to market tennis shoes or to do commercials is a totally different kind of contract. And if the team is performing better, then they're known on a more national level. And that makes their cultural power go up. And then their ability to demand more per commercial or per product, it goes up as well. That's a big deal. We're talking about monetizing cultural power. So the guess the real question is going to be, how do we create cultural power then? Well, I'm pointing at things that are unique. When we maximize our uniqueness in our culture, whether we like it or not, it emphasizes the uniqueness. And therefore, when we maximize our uniqueness, we actually gain power. Why am I saying all this? Look at all the different movements that are going around, right? We have these jobs. They're necessary jobs. Things like doctors, dentists, pilots, computer engineers, and CEOs, and leaders, uh, judges, and politicians. These positions are necessary. They're necessary. We need them more than we need an athlete. We need them more than we need an actor, or an actress, and yet they get paid significantly less. Is it because they are less unique? Is it because they're less valuable? Look, I don't get to decide for you. What I can tell you is in our culture, there are times, in any culture really, There are times where priorities get backwards. An example of that is probably this right here. I mean, in all reality, should we value athletes, actors, actresses more than we value a doctor who can save a life or 500 lives should we value them more than we would value a politician who is deciding for you and me on what's going to be going to the House or the Senate floor? The truth is probably we shouldn't, but we do. At the end of the day, we value, we value our entertainment, our wants, oftentimes before our needs. That is a cultural reality. From where I sit, I see it all the time. I see it in clients. They, you know, they might come in here and they might talk about, you know, hey, I'm I'm almost out of money and da da da, da. and <clears throat> and then they they talk about how uh, they are posting on their social media about where they vacationed because their vacation was more important than the money that they had. Now there are times where going on an adventure is the right move you should do that. It's good for your health. It's good for your family. It's good. Like there's a lot of reasons to do it, but the cost is real. Like we, do we want the money or do we want the adventure? Do we want the money or do we want to go to the game? Do we want the, well, we have to decide these things. Now, what if, what if we were to reverse it and we were to spend more money, On the things we needed, like doctors, like we need them. I don't know. It's it's an interesting question. It's something that we should probably think about because where we put our time, energy, and resources does matter. So why does this all matter? Because this is how our culture can, not always, but it can suck us into its priorities. Our culture tells us we have to have the best whatever. We have to have this thing. We have to know these people. And so we go onto social media and we look for the blue check mark that says, oh yeah, and then we connect to them as if they give a crud about you. Maybe they do. I hope they do. But chances are, if they accept you at all, they're doing it just because it increases their number, which makes them more marketable, which increases their cultural power and then they can monetize you. That's what happens in our culture. We get sucked into those things. We can also become what our culture wants us to be. And sometimes that means we forego our morality. I'll give you an example. If you've ever watched the show Survivor, which chances are you have because most of our country has seen at least a few episodes of Survivor over the years. If you watch Survivor and you notice what happens to almost all of the players, at some point they justify deception and lies. Even the ones who say they have integrity. Would it be better to say you have integrity and you're not going to lie and then lie? Or are you more believable when you don't say, I'm not going to lie, and then you lie? The truth is, we call that congruence. We are more congruent if we don't deceive others. In other words, if you're going to lie, don't hide the reality that you're going to lie. Be truthful about it be authentic about it and you're more believable even when you have lied. Now that is that is a social phenomenon. We see that in relationships all the time in therapy. If you are truthful, it's it, it goes back to this concept of if you present yourself accurately, you are more believable and more trusted, then if you present yourself inaccurately, in other words, if I say I'm this, I'm A, and then I show you that I'm B, you're not going to believe that I'm A. And then you're going to question everything that I say and do. But if I say I am B, even though B is worse than A, I And more convincing because you know what you're getting, even if it's not great. So it's better to be authentic and incorrect than inauthentic trying to be correct. That's the hardest part. Now, that's a weird thing. I know. Hopefully, that all made sense to you. Now, I'm going to take a clinical look because, look, as I was, I got one more point. We pay more for our wants than our needs. We often put time, energy, and resources towards our wants more so than our needs. We expect our needs to be cheaper. Right? Water, air, milk, butter. We expect our needs to be cheaper. And when those things go up in cost, then we get all hurt about it. And yet we will turn around and we will spend $50 to $150 on a concert ticket. We justify it. But the truth is we over-prioritize our wants over our needs much of the time. And that's an important concept to keep in mind. What can you do about this? When you see these cultural inconsistencies, number one, know your values and your morals. I don't get to tell you what those are, but I can tell you, if you don't know what they are, you are setting yourself up to be at, a, at the beck and call of whatever our culture decides for you. And trust me, our culture will make decisions for you if you don't want to do it. Number two, invest your time, energy, and resources towards what you value. Invest in what you value. Time, energy, and resources. Resources are going to be things like your money. It's going to be, uh, you know, your time. Like they're all. Those are all resources. You know, it could be, you know, investing your water because if you have water rights. Invest that to something you value, your crops, maybe financial gain, stuff like that. Number three, be willing to make the hard decisions. I guarantee hard decisions will come your way. You will have to choose between something you want really bad and something that you need. If you're not willing to forego the thing that you want, to make sure you have the thing that you need, and then you complain about it afterwards, you're setting yourself up for that failure. Number four, have accountability partners. Our culture is shifting and changing routinely. There are some things that are pretty consistent over time. But with the shifting of the culture We have to have somebody there to say, hey, you said you were this, stay true to this, unless you're gonna switch it. But if you switch it often, then people won't believe you, right? When you become something that people didn't expect you to become, then they hold that against you and you lose social influence and social power and therefore you cannot monetize your social influence. You can monetize other things, right? You could always make products, You know, you make scarves, sell them. People are buying your scarf, not necessarily you. Although, if you make high quality scarves and you have some social influence, you're going to demand more per scarf. So you can actually increase the value of your scarves. I know that's a weird uh, example possibly, but the truth is you can monetize cultural power within a product. Number five, assess and reassess often. If you're not taking a look at where you were, where you are, and where you're going on a routine basis, you're probably not monetizing your cultural power as well as you can. So constantly be assessing and reassessing. You know, if you have to put it on a calendar to do it once a month or once every two months, You know, depending on what industry you're in, you could do it once every six months or once every year. But oftentimes we learn about ourselves during that assessment and that reassessment of what we were trying to accomplish and what we have accomplished, the goal setting process, essentially. Number six, this is an important one. I really don't want you to miss this one. Admit your errors. You can chase money. You can chase fame. You can can make loads of money. You can waste loads of money. And at the end of the day, when you admit your errors, when you say, well, right here, I made a mistake, you gain cultural power. If you're being serious, if you're being fake, people can pick up on that and you will not gain power. But if you truly make a mistake admit it the our natural tendency is toward forgiveness when we can and the easiest way to forgive is when somebody admits they screwed up it's so much easier to forgive somebody that has screwed up and admits it than somebody who is defending their mistakes enter any politician's name here number 7 Wield your power and influence very carefully. And I tell you that because it disappears really fast. Perfect example. Go ahead and Google any music for a one-hit wonder. And you're going to see names on there that do not look familiar. And yet they're songs you probably know. It's so easy to have the world at your fingertips and lose it. It's much easier than it is to have the world at your fingertips and respect it enough to keep it there. Look at athletes. They sign a big contract. RG3, a few years back, big contract. Well, what happens? Gets injured and where is he now? I don't even know. I don't, th- I don't think I've heard his name in over a year actors and actresses, they come and they go, right? It's, it's hard to hold on to our pinnacle. And truthfully, I think the harder we try to hold on to our pinnacle, the worse it is to enjoy and respect our pinnacle. When we are at that most authentic spot and to say, I am just, I am so in awe that I am here. This is amazing. I can't believe how fortunate I am and truly being humble to the uh, the the nature of cultural power, how it can come and just disappear so fast. I think that's why some people can stay there. Somebody like a Will Smith who can who can endure it because he's just himself. And when he makes a mistake, he owns his mistakes. Number eight, making more has a limited threshold of happiness. And this is where I'm going to leave you for today. I want you to think about this. Life satisfaction. There was a 2010 study. You you know, you can go look it up. It's pretty easy to find that talks about how we do gain happiness when we make more money up to a point. So when we make up to $75,000, we are gaining happiness. That's what the, the, the data shows us. Now, some people it probably could be less than that. Some people, it's probably a little more than that. But it's in the wheelhouse. And then the sweet spot is between $75,000 and 105000 And something starts to happen after 105000 The diminished return actually happiness goes down now there's lots of theories as to why when we monetize our, our our cultural power and influence when we monetize it beyond that 105k what could be suggested as one of the theories is we then have this feeling of responsibility to others that now we're managing their happiness with our product, whether that product is our ability to act or play a sport or anything like that. We're trying to manage their happiness because we know we are in a position of influence. We also have to manage that money. We have to decide what to do with the extra money. Do I buy things with it and keep our economy going? Do I save it and potentially put other people in a position where they can't access that money. Or do I invest it? Do I put it back in the economy, but I put it in a place where it's churning? I mean, there's lots of options at that point. Because then we're talking about stocks and bonds and all kinds of different things. The bank, our cousin, our our, our niece something like that. We could invest in people specifically, but that takes responsibility. That takes time, energy, and resources, not just the money, but the time and the energy. And so we get a diminished return because we we begin, supposedly, according to some of the theories, we begin to feel responsible for others. As if we are so blessed, now we have to take care of others. And there's probably some truth in that. So I gave you eight things to think about when it comes to monetizing cultural influence or cultural power. I didn't tell you the how-to. I told you the responsibility of. The how-to's, I mean, you can go look at all those people out there on social media that are marketing to you and see how they do it. There's a lot of ways to do it. But the important thing is you got to be you. You got to be you because if you, if you lose track of who you are, it disappears super fast or you lose track of who you are and you become irrelevant to yourself. You feel unfulfilled. You let your values and your morals go. That's a choice you can make, but it's a choice you pay for and you pay for it. Maybe with lots of money in your pocket, but the joy and the happiness out of your heart. All right then, thank you so much for joining me for this take for our brief look at cultural uh, monetizing, cultural influence, or cultural power. I hope this was a helpful thing for you to look at and think about. My hope is that you take this information and you look at areas, maybe maybe sit down with somebody and go through the different areas that I talked about and just have discussion around it. Talk to people about it talk to people who are rich, talk to people who are poor. Find out what it is about our culture that you can influence uniquely to to increase your value to somebody next to you, but according to your own value and moral structures. Thanks so much for joining us. Please tell a few friends, make sure the word gets out there that we're doing this and that we're creating really neat conversations. Have a good one.